What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Managed podcast. I'm Michael Finca, Professor of Wealth Management at the American College of Financial Services. And I'm David Blanchett, Head of Retirement Research for PGM, which is the Asset Management Prudential and an Adjunct Professor of Wealth Management at the college. So David, we, we had a podcast episode about half a year ago where we talked about bubble wealth and we made some observations about what was going on in crypto markets and the market overall. You know, it was it was a bit lighthearted. I think both of us shared the opinion that it was just a traditional bubble asset market where things had gone up way too much. There were going to be a lot of unhappy people. But I think what has happened over the last few months is some realization that there has been real pain here, that people who have lost money in the crypto bubble very often were not experienced investors. If you look at the demographics, they tend to be lower education, a higher percentage of them were minorities. I, I think what we see is, you know, a, they tends to be people who live in areas that are consistent with attraction to gambling, that a lot of what you see essentially is a gambling type of core audience. And they ended up, a lot of them ended up losing a lot of money. Now, the real tragic stories here are the ones who weren't gambling, the ones who felt at least that they weren't gambling. They put money into lenders like Celsius, where they felt that they could get an above average return on their safe savings. But of course, that money was not protected. And in retrospect, in bankruptcy, they may not end up getting anything. So we are now in a situation, and, and this happens every few decades in the United States, where investors who thought that they were getting a, a better than average deal ended up losing everything because they didn't fully understand the risks that they were taking. And I'll tell you, I talked to people who were not financially unsophisticated, who were not aware of the risks that they were taking by putting money in some of these savings services. What is your thought about, I mean, now that we're, let's say, six months past our discussion about crypto, what lessons do you think we've learned in those six months since the market was really at a peak? I think that, you know, hindsight remains 2020. You know, individuals are, do, are really good at spotting things after they've gone up. But I think that, you know, and it's funny, we're having this now and maybe in, in three years, crypto rallies. I, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe, and I, I don't think that it will, but let's just say that it does. Someone's going to look back and say, hey, you guys, you know, talked about crypto and we're all negative, but it's back. And I think the point, right, and you made this point just now, is just that if it rallies, everyone that's lost all their money won't be there for it. People tend to get on these, these bandwagons after the party has kind of had its moment. And so right now, we have stable coins, we've got these lenders, we have all these things that have happened, and it's just destroyed a lot of wealth. And so I think that that mantra, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, definitely applies to not only crypto, but really any asset out there. Like this has happened before, this will happen again. I think that, you know, while it's fun to think, oh, I can make lots of money, if you're trying to make lots of money or even interest above and beyond what's reasonable, there's a really good chance you could lose a lot more than you think you could. 
Well, let's get back to, I think that there are some important finance theory lessons to talk about here. And I, I can understand if everybody wants to turn the podcast off after that kind of an introduction. But one of them is there's no free lunch in finance. So one of the things that I was hearing is, oh, I can save money in this type of account. I can get a 9% rate of return. There's no risk. And that you hear something like that. And your first thought, if you're a finance person is, well, wait a minute, what's stopping people from borrowing treasuries and putting all their money in Celsius and you know paying the interest back at, at two or 3% and getting 9% return on your investments? That's what's known as an arbitrage opportunity. And there's plenty of hedge funds and sophisticated actors out there in the market who would have done that. If there is no restriction to arbitrage and you're getting an above average rate of return, then there must be risk there to compensate you. I mean, you, you have to be taking risk in order to be compensated for taking risk. And I think this is actually one of those examples that's maybe even a little bit more insidious because it was being positioned to a lot of savers as something that was safe. Uh, and you hear this over and over again, nobody explained the risk to me. Now, the way that a traditional bank operates is that they have to hold a certain amount of money in reserves and they lend the money out, but very often they make sure that there is some kind of collateral there. So if the loan is not paid, then at least they know that they can foreclose on a home or a business. But with crypto, if you're lending to people who are investing in crypto and it falls by 50%, essentially you have no collateral. And if there are no reserve requirements, then essentially you can have nothing. And you're, you know, you're bar it's not a bank. It's not regulated as a bank. It's not as safe as money that's being put into a bank. That's why it was providing the higher rate of return, but there was just no way. And I think this is another reason why people who are not as sophisticated when it comes to finance, got taken in by this because to them, they're not immediately thinking, all right, what are the limits to arbitrage that are preventing the more sophisticated traders from taking advantage from an above market rate of return? Yeah, I mean, I think there was like, what, like four commercials in the Super Bowl about various crypto digital asset currency type things. And that was literally like the peak of the bubble if, if the bubble is burst. And there's lots of ways that you can invest in the space, but most people doing it weren't asking these kind of questions, right? It's one thing to own cryptocurrencies. It's, an, it's another to do stable coins and everything else. I just worry that individuals get attracted to things that have done well. And the, you, you know, like maybe there is a free lunch every now and then, but it, it doesn't last long. And it's not there for a lot of people to grab hold of. And so I think that too often these organizations were actively promoting the better aspects of their products. And, and, and because they're not fiduciaries, they're, they're there to sell something, they weren't talking about the downsides, right? And if you, if you read about them, you knew the downsides. You knew this wasn't an FDIC insured account. You knew that it could go to zero, but that's hard to understand if you don't know how all this works. And so I think that to me, this just points to the larger value of, of financial advisors, financial advice, who are educated on you know, how these work and how they can work as part of a portfolio versus someone kind of going off on them and saying, hey, why am I going to earn, you know, this was six months, a year ago, nothing on my interest and in, interest in my savings account, or I can earn 8% over here, I want to earn 8%. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Learn how a goal-based approach redefines 21st century investment 
with our Wealth Management Certified Professional designation. Bring your value to a new level at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. The American College Center for Women in Financial Services is building our community, and we want to share stories of success with you. I'm Lindsay Lewis, the host of the Women Working in Wealth podcast. Join us as we speak with women from all across the industry to explore career opportunities, dispel myths, and see how personal journeys lead to achieving career goals. Listen to all the episodes at theamericancollege.edu forward slash podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Together, we can break the bias. Welcome back. Let's continue where we left off. David, I think we, we really do have to address our misplaced hero worship of Matt Damon and <laughs> probably one of the most important disappointments of this whole crypto era was that we had to watch Matt Damon and Larry David do crypto commercials. I mean, that's hard to take. Now, I say that in jest, but let's be serious here for a moment. The financial advice industry, I hope, has learned something from this episode. So when you had people on you know, the stage of conferences, I just looked at a conference recently and the number of crypto sessions in that conference. Now, I think maybe a little bit late for them to make changes, but I think our industry didn't do its job here. I don't think we were appropriately skeptical of, let's say, savings accounts that were that were promising well above market rates of return. We weren't making people aware of the risks. And in some cases, there were people who were benefiting from, you know, their, their business benefited from selling the crypto idea despite the fact that it had no fundamental value and that it was not actually adding to the productivity of the economy, in some cases taking it away, using electricity for nothing other than adding, you know, this sort of imaginary money. And in that sense, I see the industry as, as needing some reckoning here when it comes to the role that we played in legitimizing crypto and even using words like asset when that may not have been the accurate way of positioning crypto. By calling it an asset, we are comparing it to other investments that are truly assets that represent some value. So if you buy a share of stock, you have ownership of a portion of that company. Crypto, that asset is a lot more theoretical to the point where it is imaginary. And did we do our job at helping people understand what crypto was compared to what traditional investments are? Well, so I would, I guess my, I think crypto is an asset. It's not an investment. I think that that's a distinction and anything can be an asset. I mean, it can be, I mean, assets or whatever you want them to be, but it's not an investment. It doesn't have the qualities that are required to be viewed as part of a portfolio. But I mean, the, the issue always is though, right, is you have some people who will remain nameless to protect them, I guess, whatever, that are actively saying, hey, you know, advisors that don't use this are idiots. You know, like this is the future. It's where you need to be. Look, it's gone up, it's gone up 10,000 million percent. You know, if they're not recommending this to you, they're not doing their jobs, they're, they're past their prime. 
And how do you fight that message? Because it resonates with consumers that I want to, I want to earn a higher rate of return. I want, I want to succeed. And my, my fuddy-duddy advisor who uses mutual funds is just behind in the time. So I think that, I think this will happen again. This has happened before. I think, I don't know what the next thing will be, but there'll always be people out there who aren't fiduciaries hawking some kind of next gen product or strategy or asset, whatever, that inevitably leads to losses or significant losses for many Americans. You know, I think you make a very good point, David, about the insecurity that a lot of advisors have about being beyond the curve, that they feel that if they don't know all the hot new investments that are in the marketplace, that they're not serving their clients properly, that they're going to be seen as an old fuddy-duddy. In fact, that I think that was the positioning that bothered me the most when I would listen to people talk about crypto in podcasts for advisors or on the stage, they would say things like, if you're not including crypto as part of your overall asset allocation, you're behind the times. You're not aware of what's going on. You don't really understand the way this thing works. And you're playing on advisor insecurity as a way of, of encouraging them to take that risk, to take that step and to buy that thing. Um, I That bothered me a lot. You really have to have courage in your convictions to continue to focus on the same boring types of investments and adding things to that portfolio when there's a real value there, when it can improve the performance of the portfolio. I think, you know, you and I have looked at things like liquid alts, and that was one of those really hot categories a few years ago. But in terms of actually quantifying benefit to an overall portfolio, it was really elusive to see how they actually benefited. In a lot of cases, the old boring stuff, it has stood to the test of time. Obviously, you need to be diversified. As you expand access to the global portfolio, as you expand access to assets like residential home equity, you know that's a great example of an asset class that should be part of everybody's portfolio. You can use financial innovation to tap some of that asset class. But some of this other stuff where the where the value is really hard for people to understand. Oftentimes, I think people jump into it because they don't want to seem like they're getting left behind. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned diversification. I'm sure there's some folks out there that thought that owning like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Doge was a diversified crypto portfolio. So I think, you know, like I think that, that the problem that people will always have is it, you know, like, wow, how powerful was it to go from like, what is it, a fractional penny to like eighty thousand dollars Bitcoin? Like what? What? How trans? Like it's it's like winning the lottery. Like I could have won the lottery, and I think that what people fail to realize is that if you if you're buying something like Bitcoin and you don't believe in it fundamentally, and it goes from one dollar to ten dollars, and you've made ten x, you're going to sell. You're not going to hold it, you know, if you bought it at $10 and it goes to $100, you're probably not going to keep holding it. And so I think that, that while the gains look really impressive, it's really only those, those true believers who will go all the way up and will go all the way down and never realize kind of the true possible benefit of that jump in value because they just think it's, you know, I remember, I remember the story about, you remember like the guy that was a, there was a, a two, I mean, he was worth two, $2 million because Doge went from like, a fractional penny to like 80 cents. So what's he worth by, what's he worth now? He's, he's, he lost it all, right? And so I think you need that conviction, but that same conviction is what keeps people from actually building wealth from these strategies. Yeah, I think where we'll end is that if there's no fundamental value, it's a zero sum game. So 
when someone makes money, someone else has to lose money. And now that the research has come out on how money was reallocated during this time period, it's become more and more apparent that it was really a reverse Robin Hood, that in many cases, the wealthy, more sophisticated investors got richer and the less sophisticated investors got poorer. It actually increased wealth inequality. It increased racial wealth inequality after the fact. And that's that's not a great lesson to learn. And it, it doesn't seem to have achieved many of the promises that people made about it as an quote unquote asset. All right. And that will do it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And you can listen to all our previous episodes at the americancollege.edu slash podcast. I'm Michael Finca. And I'm David Blanchett. See y'all later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services. 